Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. You've often heard me say that the definitive book on the Kennedy assassination, at least in my view, was written by Gerald Posner, the investigative journalist, and it's called Case Closed, Lee Harvey Oswald and the Assassination of JFK. It was published in 1993 and stands the test of time. That's why you get the likes of Jesse Ventura and Roger Stone and others who always feel obliged to try and poke holes, frankly, more in Posner's account than they do in the Warren Commission. And I'm thrilled to be able to welcome back to the program right now, Gerald Posner. Hey, Gerald, thank you for your time. I appreciate your work, as you know. Michael, it's always great to be on with you. And as a matter of fact, you know, you don't even need to give that qualifier to say that in your opinion, it's the best book, because on this show, your opinion is the only one that matters. <laughs> well, yours too. Your your opinion <laughs> matters. Hey, I think you'll get a kick out of this. I, I pulled the New York Times review of Case Closed from November 21, 1993. 
Uh, Jeffrey Ward wrote it, and he said this. It is evidence of our continuing national unease about the events in Dallas that Mr. Posner's book seems by far the most daring of the current crop, not because he has new explanations to offer or new suspects to name, but because he makes such a persuasive case that for all the Warren Commission's sins, in the end, it reached the right conclusions. Gerald, what drew you to this subject matter uh, when you wrote this book in the early 90s? Well, you know, Michael, I didn't think when I first started the work that it was Oswald alone. I didn't know. Nobody who was alive at the time of the assassination can approach the subject with a completely blank slate. We all have our biases about the case, even if we haven't studied it. And my bias was leaning toward the mob maybe having a connection because of Jack Ruby's murder of Oswald two days later. A nightclub owner with possible ties to the mafia had the earmarks of a mob silencing, so I was suspicious about that. And only halfway through my research did I come to the feeling that, no, there were answers for all those things that sort of looked like a mystery on the outside, and that the answer that Oswald had done it alone, even though the Warren Commission had screwed up many ways uh, you know, along the path, was the right answer for history. And uh, what I was surprised at is a bit of what that review said a moment ago, and that was that when we published 20 years ago, the most outlier of the stances to take was to say it was Oswald alone. People would look at you and say, you've got to be kidding. So, uh, you know, they well, just- and even today, I mean, let's let's face it. I think there's far more commercial value in launching one of the conspiratorial books. That, that's true, except that uh, the, uh, the only counterweight to that is Bill O'Reilly, who in killing Kennedy, which is, I guess, a version of the Kennedy assassination with clip notes, you know, sort of the light version of, of, the, uh, of the assassination. Um, that book that concludes is Oswald uh, has sold a million copies in hardcover. That's just an astonishing number. That's more than me and 20 other writers put together for all of our books in our career. Uh, but that's sort of a, you know, a one-off exception. But on the whole, I agree with you. The, the frenzy and, and the money to be made, it seems, in this is the cottage industry of conspiracy books. You sort of walked through all of the essential elements of this case. You began with what happened to J.D. Tippett. I mean, that whole encounter with Tippett and then the apprehension of Oswald in the movie theater is something that the conspiratorialists have seized on. What's your takeaway from those early events? Boy, the, the early events is, you know, you mentioned something that a lot of people who have only a casual passing knowledge of the Kennedy assassination. Some of them may say, those who haven't studied it, Tippett. Who's Tippett? Right. They don't even realize that within an hour of the assassination, a Dallas policeman stopped a guy based on a general sub- description given by an eyewitness at the scene that matched Oswald. And when he got out of his car to question Oswald, who looked a little suspicious walking a little fast in the neighborhood, Oswald, in front of a number of witnesses, shot him to death, five shots at close range. Oswald's gun, which he had bought a few months earlier, matched to the exclusion of any other gun in the world to the one who killed Tippett. And then Oswald, on the run from that murder, ends up being followed by a good Samaritan who saw the shooting, sees him go into the theater, and calls the police. No mystery about it, no CIA, no mafia, nothing else. But, you know, the same listeners, Michael, who are surprised to hear the name Tippett might be very surprised to hear that in the Kennedy-Oswald saga, the name Edwin Walker who was a right-wing military general that Oswald had tried to kill months before he killed Kennedy, assassinate him with his rifle. Nobody even knows about that any longer. The the Oswald shooting of Kennedy itself is something I often hear today from a variety of people who disagree with your conclusion. They say he could never have gotten off those shots and could never have gotten off those shots with such accuracy. 
Well, you know, it's one of the great canards of the assassination is this idea that Oswald could not have made the shots that day. I just was out in Las Vegas at the Mob Museum of all places on a panel discussion with G. Robert Blakey. He was the chief counsel for the House Select Committee on Assassinations. He still clings, he disagrees with me, and he still clings to the idea that there may have been another assassin at Dealey Plaza who fired a shot and missed everybody that day. I think he's wrong on that. But he said in the years that the Select Committee did its work in the 70s, they concluded without any question in studying the ballistics and the forensics that the only shooter at Dealey Plaza who fired shots that hit anybody that day was Lee Harvey Oswald firing from the sixth floor of the depository. And if people had the time to study the latest science and forensics, they would leave with the absolute conclusion that the shots that killed the president came from behind in the same area where Lee Harvey Oswald was left in the depository by six of his co-workers half an hour before the assassination. Now, whether you want to argue that Oswald was part of a plot, did he do it for somebody, that's a tougher question. But the overwhelming evidence is that he was the man who killed Kennedy that day with that rifle. Was there a single witness who was in Dealey Plaza that day who claimed at the time to have seen anybody other than Oswald fire a shot at Kennedy? Uh, you know, uh, Michael, you're a real party pooper because you're putting in those words at the time. Um, you know, a contemporaneous witness statements uh, to see another shooter besides Oswald? Absolutely not. But over time, have people come forward for their 15 minutes of fame or have memories changed? Memories are fungible about those events. Have people who were there read other events, talked to other witnesses, seen documentaries, um, you know, uh, seen a film, and all of a sudden they think they've seen a grassy knoll shooter? Sure, that's happened time and time again. But is there any credible evidence, contemporaneous evidence of another shooter? Zero. This is Gerald Posner, the investigative journalist. The book Case Closed, Lee Harvey Oswald and the Assassination of JFK, originally published in 1993. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. This is Gerald Posner, the investigative journalist. The book Case Closed, Lee Harvey Oswald and the Assassination of JFK, originally published in 1993. Hey, Gerald, r- recently, Dr. Larry Sabato, for whom I have a great deal of respect, right. published his own look, not only at the assassination, but but the whole Kennedy era. And he did, however, make great hay over uh, discounting the House Select Committee at the end of the 70s, 78, I guess, and their reliance on the audio. But you dealt with that subject, did you not? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I concluded back in 93 that the, the so-called sound recording, that the... Uh, Explain what that is, because I'm, I'm assuming people know and they probably don't. Right. The, the House Select Committee on Assassinations had done a fantastic job of debunking a lot of the earlier myths about the conspiracies that had come up, and then they fell into a big rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole was that near the end of their work, somebody found a, a, a sound recording that they believed was on a motorcycle that belonged to a Dallas policeman that they pinpointed, they thought, at Dealey Plaza at the time of the assassination. So the thought was, my God, if we found a sound recording from the Dallas police uh, tapes that might have been on a motorcycle at Dealey Plaza, maybe we'll hear the number of shots. So they listen to it, and what they hear, Michael, is this. Sorry to have dead time on the radio, but nothing. You don't hear anything at all. So you don't hear what you expect to on a TV or a movie. You don't hear the crack of rifle fire. So then they called in these sound experts, and these guys listened to it, and they said, oh, you can't hear anything, but we see some subsonic spikes. We see spikes when we uh, listen to it with sort of a special machine. There are four of them, and we think those are bullet shots. And so in closing up their investigation, they said, oh, there's a high likelihood, 95%, that there was another shot at Dealey Plaza besides Oswald based upon these sort of subsonic spikes that they saw. 
that the reason that that's totally false and wrong is it turns out that that recording that was not on a on a Dallas policeman's uh, motorcycle at Dealey Plaza wasn't recording the sounds of the assassination. It was actually at the trademark about a mile and a half away where the Kennedy was supposed to give a lunch and he was on his way to. We know that from a whole series of different reasons, but they just got it flat wrong. And it's a shame because it ruined, that was the headline out of the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 70s, likely conspiracy, and it ruined and overshadowed all the rest of their very good work. I want to ask you about some of the fantastical aspects of this. Jesse Ventura told me, I kid you not, that there were two Oswalds. There was a body double for Lee Harvey Oswald. The Well, you know, I have to tell you, the uh, Jesse Ventura is, uh, as we know, uh, he understands entertainment because he was in the world of professional wrestling, so he right. gets that. The, <laughs> right. uh, and there's, but I actually think he believes this as well. So he's not just doing it because it's a bit of entertainment. This is what he thinks is the, the real story. I'm more amazed not at that claim by him, because I've heard some outlandish claims from Jesse Ventura, but I continue to marvel at the voters of that wonderful state of Minnesota that they made him governor, and he sort of you know, didn't break off at one point to make the United States a different country that, uh, <laughs> right. that was under the auspices of Area 51. But the, the idea of an imposter Oswald was raised in the 60s, by a few writers. It's a great idea. I love it. It's straight out of Ian Fleming and James Bond. I mean, there's nothing to it at all, but it conjures up all the ideas of spies and doubles. Marina Oswald was so fooled by this idea of an imposter Oswald that in the 90s she actually had her husband's body excavated. She got a court order to take it out of the grave because she wanted to test to see it was really Lee as opposed to some double. She found out it really was, in fact, her husband. They put him back in the grave. Is it fair to say that in the end, Gerald Posner, you conclude that this Oswald was a crackpot? Even the the Cubans and the Russians didn't really want the guy. Yeah, you know, it's it's so astonishing because, Michael, not only did uh, the Russians not want him, but when he defected in 1959 uh, after finishing a terrible uh, stint in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, he moved 21 times as a kid. He was in 11 different schools. He was a truant in New York City in 1953. When he was 14 years old, he had psychiatrists. Um, interview him because he was committed to a mandatory psychiatric evaluation. They gave us a preview of what today they're looking for at schools in terms of trying to prevent Columbine shooters or Aurora shooters or Sandy Hook. They viewed him as having schizoid features, passive-aggressive tendencies. They ordered him for mandatory psychiatric care for 30 days, and his mother took him back to Texas. The Marine Corps was an unmitigated disaster for him. He was thrown in the shower. His, his fellow Marines thought he was gay. They called him Mrs. Oswald. He was court-martialed twice. Then he goes to the Soviet Union, and they tell him to leave. They don't want him. He tries to kill himself, and they give him a second psychiatric evaluation and do what you just said. They, they view him as mentally unstable. This guy comes back back to the U.S. with a Russian uh, wife, and he tries to kill Edwin Walker, a former uh, you know, uh, right-wing army general. He goes to New Orleans, where he fails to get a single recruit for his pro-caste organization. He tries to go to Cuba. He visits Mexico City to get a, a visa to go down to, to uh, Havana right before the assassination. They turn him down because they don't view him as stable, the Cubans. And he comes back in early October, six weeks before the president is visiting Dallas. He's just announced the trip. And when he learns in a few weeks that he is working at the building at which Jack Kennedy is going to drive in front of in his motorcade, it is a gift on a silver platter to this just-turned-24-year-old sociopath. In other words, there's no way that he could have known because the motorcade route hadn't been determined when he gets the job. It it was just happenstance that those two elements lined up. 
as a matter of fact, it, not only is it happenstance that the job in the motorcade group, but I think even as critical or more so is that Oswald left New Orleans on September the 25th to start a bus ride that would take him for two days down to Mexico City because he wanted to go on to Havana. So on the 25th, he gets on this Continental Trailways bus in New Orleans. He goes to Houston. He has a four-hour layover. He gets on another bus that takes him to Nuevo Laredo. He gets on a Mexican bus that's an overnight trip to, uh, to Mexico City. The reason that's critical is that on September the 26th, while Oswald's in the middle of his bus journey, the White House announced for the first time publicly that Kennedy was going to visit Dallas. They didn't even list the cities. They just, I mean, to Texas. They just said a Texas trip was coming up in November. That means that everything that happened in Lee Harvey Oswald's life before that could have had no connection to a plot to kill Kennedy in Dallas. That any conspiracy to bring Oswald into a plot to kill JFK on November 22nd had to take place after Oswald returned to Dallas in early October, six weeks before the murder. And that's always been, Michael, my challenge to conspiracy theorists. If you think that Oswald did it for somebody, if he was part of a plot, they couldn't have brought him into the plot telepathically. How did they do it? Show me the contact, the one telephone call, the person who shows up on his doorstep. How did they bring him in? And that evidence just isn't there. Hey, Gerald, you wrote this book 20 years ago. I know you ate, slept, and drank the subject matter to get it done, and it obviously stands the test of time. I'm curious as to what you have done personally recently to be reschooled in all of these facts, because it's so clear to me that you're just rattling them right off of your brain. And I, I know I've, re- I've published books, albeit not with Gerald Posner's success, and I find my time my, sometimes going back and rereading chapters just to make sure I remember what I wrote. No, it's so, it's so interesting you say that. You understand it so well as an author, and I should have your success as an author. I'd be very lucky. I'm still trying to follow in your good wake, but I will tell you something, that uh, you, you get this process very well, that in the process of uh, republishing Case Closed, um, I obviously reread it because I wanted to see if there was anything for an update. I ended up doing a sure. new forward called Case Still Closed, essentially. But, <laughs> but, in the, but, but in the process of doing that, uh, I would sometimes go to a local Starbucks, and I'd be reading my book, and somebody I'd know would come up and say, oh, what are you reading? I'd say, I'm reading uh, my book, and they would look at me as though I was just a Martian <laughs> from outer space. <laughs> but I kept saying to my wife, Tricia, I can't believe how much I've forgotten. You're absolutely right. You do remember these general great details. You think you have it all down, and then you reread, the, and you're not into... You're not immersed in the details as you were when you were researching and reporting it and writing it. And all of a sudden, these little tidbits come up. So now, for the 50th anniversary, I've got it currently in my brain. But I'm sure that in a couple of months, if you have a conversation with me, there will be gaps in there. Uh, When we get together again for the 75th anniversary, (laughs) you can reread it one more time. Before you leave me, what, what are you working on next for publication? Yeah, uh, my my publisher would certainly like me to be doing less Kennedy and more of the new uh, work. I'm a few months away from finishing up a, a draft after a number of years. Uh, it's a 200-year investigative history of the finances of the Vatican. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got to believe they're nervous in Vatican City at the idea that you're looking at that. I just don't know why, uh, when I went to uh, them back in Rome and said, look, I'm the biographer of Joseph Mengele, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray, they just didn't jump up and down for joy at the thought I was doing the finances of the Vatican. (laughs) Gerald, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. I I can't give a a bigger recommendation than to say anybody interested in this subject needs to get case closed uh, with the new version, with the uh, case still closed. That sounds intriguing. 
Thank you. As a longtime fan, Michael, of your reporting, your journalism, your work on the radio and in your writing, um, coming from you, that's high praise, and I really say thank you very much. All right. Talk soon. That's Gerald Posner. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.